It's how you learn how to adapt yourself and how to grow as a person. It's taking everything in life, the knockdowns and all, as something, as a learned experience. We're not born to know everything and we never will know everything and we will never be perfect. And perfect is boring. Let's just focus on what you can do, what you are good at. And I do like to give people a leg up and give them a thumbs up and say you're doing a great job because it's so important that you're heard and that you feel that someone appreciates you. I think appreciation is a massive part of getting on in life. Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am your host, Tracy Otsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 174 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter over at tracyoutsuka.com. You know, my purpose is always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it. And in the thousands of ADHD women that I have had the privilege of meeting, I've never met a one that wasn't truly brilliant at something not one. And so for all of these reasons, you have no idea just how delighted I am to introduce you to Catherine Rayford Holden. For those of you that don't know this, our ADHD for Smartass Women podcast has a complimentary free ADHD for Smartass Women Facebook group. Actually, the group came first and then the podcast. And I think the group now has, I don't know, it's over 63,000 members. And what makes our group different from all of the other groups is that we are so strength focused. This means that you can't just come into our group and create a post talking about everything that's going wrong in your life, because we know that this is actually harmful to our brains when all we're doing, and there's science behind this, when all we're doing is focusing on what isn't working, that's all we can see. And then we just feel worse. So how do we make sure that this is not what our members do? Well, we approve every damn post. Now, when I started the group, I did all of this, and I can't even tell you how much work it is. It's actually insane, and it's even more insane today since, as I mentioned, we have over 63,000 members. So 
how do we do this with this many members? Well, we have over a dozen mods and admins. We call them moderators, I guess. Actually, I think we call it the smart. I can't remember. We'll ask Catherine. In any case, we have over a dozen moderators and admins, and they all volunteer their time every single day to make it happen. And who leads that team? Our guest, Catherine, does. Catherine is a sensitive, nature-loving Libra. I'm not sure what that means, but we'll ask her. Balance and harmony are her key goals in life. She grew up in a busy household in Cheshire and believes that everyone in her birth family has ADHD, except her mother, who is the most calm, collected, and organized person she knows. Catherine was diagnosed with combined type ADHD. That was last year at the age of 58. And she lives with her husband and the youngest of her three children in the Devon countryside. They are joined by her three cats and the dog, Ruby, her best buddy. Catherine is great in a crisis. I can totally attest to that. She is very resourceful, creative, and has a passion for creating beauty in the home. She sells essential oils and believes her natural instinct with them has helped her clients and her youngest daughter, who has Down syndrome and ADHD. Catherine, welcome. And did I get all of that right? Except I was 57 when I was diagnosed. <laughs> I, I, I probably filled out the form wrong. As you I did. did. <laughs> you said 58. Okay, you were 57. Yes. So it was a later in life diagnosis. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. it's all wrong. And did I pronounce your name right? After all these years, you'd think I'd know. Rayford Holden, right? <laughs> Rayford Holden. But Reef- it- <laughs> of course I didn't. But you know what? I don't normally walk around saying Catherine Reeford Holden. I just say Catherine. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we could not have the group that we do without Catherine. And Catherine, I actually believe that you take after your mother in a lot of ways. You are always calm. You are always providing structure and order. So Catherine makes a role and Catherine is the kind of person who actually keeps it. So I'm sure that I must drive you nuts because (laughs) she has created roles for the posts in our Facebook groups. And I'm so bad at following them, but it's not because I don't want to. It's that I never know what the rules are, right? Like I can't remember them. I probably never learned them from the beginning. So I don't know what they are. So I'm sure you're just like, please don't approve any more posts, Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but you're what I need. I think you're just uh, such a kind hearted person. You always see the good in everyone. You never look for the bad. So you don't spot those little things sneaking up on you. Um, (laughs) Whereas, you know, I came from a family that was sort of very instinctively like detectives. We would weasel out the weeds immediately, (laughs) whereas you will let everything through because you've got a heart of gold, you know, and I think that's a lovely thing to do. I think it's a lovely nature to have. Although you will admit that I do have, what's the opposite of a sweet spot, a sour spot (laughs) for people who just complain, 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 like the victim speak. I, I get that there are times that we struggle, But again, if that's all you focus on, that's all you see, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm, you know, that resonates with me hugely because if I was going to play the victim card, I could probably outdo everyone. (laughs) Absolutely. Everything I've been through in life. But you know what? I bounce back up and I say, do I want to live or do I want to live in the past? History is not my strong point. Forget the past. Move on and live your life for every day that you've got left of it. 
Uh, I, you give me goosebumps and you especially give me goosebumps and you're so inspiring to me because you're absolutely right. I mean, life's handed you a lot and you still always have your chin up and you are so kind-hearted, but I think the way that you get through life, what works for you and honest God works for most of us with ADHD brains who balk against structure is frankly structure, right? Because then you kind of know what to expect. You know what the rules are. Yeah, I think boundaries are really important when you go to any sort of bringing up children. Everyone always says, set your boundaries and stick to them. Give them enough rope, but set your boundaries. Children like structure. So do adults. You know, it's not a secret. We all like our boundaries. We all like to know what's expected of us. Um, And we're people pleasers. You know, at the end of the day, we're all born to sort of please other people. It's the way we are. It's, It's our human nature. That's why they call it human nature. Yeah, we want to go along and get along because constant strife is kind of uncomfortable. So I guess if you know the rules, it's easier. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Even though I break them all the time. So uh, let's talk about your ADHD diagnoses first, because then we've got some structure around what it is that we're going to speak on today. So can you tell me like your diagnosis story? Okay, so a couple of years ago, I was walking with a friend and I noticed that, you know, she talks over me. Um, She's never concentrating. She's always off on a tangent. And I've noticed it with myself and a few other friends. And I happened to say to this friend, do you think you might have ADHD? And the strangest thing was she turned around and said, um, I think you have. Um, so we both looked into it and went down the journey together. It was very bizarre. We were both diagnosed within a month of each other, which was crazy. And it was her that actually introduced me to this group. So I'm so thankful to her forever. You know, Catherine, I didn't know that. I had no idea that that's how, you know, it came about. And there was a friend who then said, you know, check this group out. So that's super interesting to me. Yeah. So once you knew it was ADHD and you had the benefit of hindsight, what are some of the symptoms that you always wondered about, but now you recognize them as clearly ADHD? Um, Well, I used to think I was going a bit mad because I'd have all this energy in my head, but I'd feel like I couldn't do anything. I was overwhelmed. I would get up in the morning and I had no focus and no direction. I'd get up and I'd look at my desk. I'd look at my diary and there was nothing on. It was like I was frozen in time and I could lose an entire day doing absolutely nothing because there were so many things in my head and so much I wanted to do. Um, Sometimes I'd go and lie down on the bed because I thought it's just all too overwhelming, but I wasn't tired. So within minutes, I'd be bouncing up again looking around the house. I would start things and never finish them. My husband said, are you ever going to decorate one room? I love decorating, by the way. (laughs) I do all the painting myself because I don't trust anyone else to get it absolutely spot on. So I start decorating one room and then halfway through, I'd get bored once I'd seen the colours and I'd move to the next room and the (laughs) next room. And our houses have always been half decorated until two weeks before we go on the market. And suddenly I'm there, I'm done, you know, in two weeks. So Mm -hmm. those things kind of puzzled me. Why am I like this? Why am I different? You know, 
things like, why do I blurt out things when in a bunch of friends, I'm a very honest person and I say what I think and I don't wish to be hurtful, but unfortunately it comes across that way sometimes. And I really don't mean it. I'm just saying it as it comes in my head. And I used to think, why do I do that? What's wrong with me? You know, (laughs) very strange things, but those little things, you know, always puzzled me. And since my diagnosis, I come to grips with a lot of those things. I've learned through the group how to work around those things, how to, you know, how to manage them and navigate them so they're not so disastrous and catastrophic, you know. Okay, so I want to go back to that question. I just wrote it down, how you go about then what you've learned. But before we go there, I want to know about your childhood, like your early life. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was in a very fortunate household that my both my parents worked. They started out very poor, but my father was very ambitious, 100% ADHD, <laughs> um, probably hyperactive, very hyperactive man. Never stopped. He was always working, but he was also very volatile and addictions. You know, let's talk addictions because mm. ADHD people are prone to addiction and he went to alcohol, you know, and, you know, I don't want to talk too much about him, but it was a very volatile household to grow up in, but also (laughs) he was very exciting. He was very impulsive and, you know, we'd all be suddenly jumping in a van and traveling off down to Devon where I live now from the Northern area of, you know, Cheshire in, in the UK. So, and, and I was very quiet And people didn't think that I could have ADHD because I was a quiet child, because I didn't want to put any stress on my mother or cause any issues. But inside my head, there was always something going on. I was physically so active. I was in the netball team. I ran for the school. I had a pony. I was out riding all day. I was very physically active and like a bean sprout. I was stick thin always on the go. When I was sat in a classroom, I'd be daydreaming, looking out the window. I'd be doodling. I'd be picking the split ends in my hair. I'd be picking (laughs) paint off a pencil with a pin. And I was called Chatty Cathy. You know, I was, oh, Catherine's inconsistent. She's got, she's so bright. She could go so far. But, you know, she's always daydreaming. She's always talking. She's always fidgeting. You know, and that was my childhood. Um, my brother also, I do believe he's got ADHD. My nephew has been diagnosed with it. My sister is a very active person, still now, always on the go. She fills every bit of her day with something. So growing up in that household was absolutely crazy, <laughs> a crazy household. So, Catherine, did you struggle in school or were you able to figure out, despite the fact that it sounds like, you were kind of bored and in your head a lot. and Yeah, well, I never revised and I don't know, you know, I just couldn't sit there and go over stuff that if they didn't make it exciting enough, I wasn't going to learn it. I wasn't mm. going to use it. So I would say that I did struggle, but I did fly through some exams. It was if I if I was keen on it, if they made it exciting, I would pass. I would get there. But, um, you know, I did fail on a few things because I just was so bored. History, geography, not my thing. So I didn't even try and I got very low points. But I, I did seem to, to get through school well. 
So you you commented on how since you've been diagnosed, what has changed is you've learned how to manage and navigate better. Can you give us some examples of what you mean? Gosh, I had them wrote down and in ADHD fashion, they're on my desk and all the piles of paperwork. But I think things like remembering things, some of the tools and tips that people have given us online have really helped, like the tile for finding your keys. I bought a rocket book, which is really useful because I can scribble notes, scan it. And when I'm out and about, I don't need these paper bits anymore. I write them down on the rocket book, but I didn't write my notes down for this podcast. On my rocket book. <laughs> but generally I do, I use it and it's really helpful. Lots of other things, just little tips that I've picked up along the way off, off other people, syncing things up. What about emotional dysregulation? Have you learned strategies around that? Has Well, I should ask, has that been a problem for you where something will happen and you just get consumed with that thing and it can ruin your whole day? I think in the past... Definitely. But now I have these resources. I can just go into the group. I can chat to the squad. Our mod squad have become amazing friends. And I can say, what do you think about this? So rather than spilling my feelings out on the group pages, I do talk to people who now understand me. It's not friendships where I would say something and they go, well, everybody does that. No, not to this level, but everybody does that. You know, your neurotypical people will always say to you, yeah, well, I do that sometimes. Yeah, but you don't do it every day. You know, so yeah, I can sort of regulate my emotions much better. How do you do that? So do you have a strategy now that you didn't have before? I mean, well, you basically said you'll go into the mod squad. And I guess that's a that's a plug for the mod squad because yeah. I have had so many. And yes, that's what it's called. Duh. I have had so many women who've contacted me and said, I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure I'm positive enough. And then I tell them, you know what? If you're not positive enough, this is the perfect thing to do because it's going to reframe how you think about everything. Because if you're constantly in the group looking for, so we allow people to post when they're upset about something, absolutely. But we always want them to wrap it up with some sort of request for a workaround, some way that they can get into action around how they feel so they can flip looking at all the bad stuff and really, you know, focusing on the strengths. And so we've had a number of women who have started really not sure they could do it. And it literally changed how they see their life. They, they reframe everything now because when you're constantly seeing what people are actually doing and, you know, doing to their brains when they're constantly kind of in that victim mode, it's amazing, right? We often can't see it in ourselves, but when we see someone else doing it, it becomes so clear. So we stop doing it ourselves. Oh, absolutely agree with you on that. And yeah, we do love people to post, I'm having a bad day, you know, and to ask, what would you do? How do you cope with this? Um, and it really does turn you around. I mean, I've watched some of the Mob Squad grow and it's so amazing where they start off saying, I'm not sure I can do this. I feel insecure about this and that. And through joining us, they see that we're like-minded, we're, we're all in the same boat. We all started out in the same boat, not knowing how to handle this. And now we're all supportive and growing into this really strong team. And I've never quite felt 
that affinity with other women. I've had women friends and I've had male friends, but I've never felt as close as I do to the Mod Squad because they have all the same, or they've started out with the same issues and somehow we've sort of focused on what actually they're good at. And it's about strength building, team building, and wow, you know, to see some of these ladies growing and becoming real strength-focused people, it you know, it's amazing. That's all I can say on it. It's amazing. Well, I, I'm just thinking of um, one of our squad in general who, I mean, she flat out, you know, said, I'm just, I'm so insecure and I beat myself up all the time. And to see what has happened with her in under a year, I, I'm blown away by it too. I mean, it just shows the power of your thoughts and the power, you know, what you think is who you are, right? And yes. also it shows the power of community, how important community is, especially for ADHD women, because when you're around and you will, I'm sure, attest to this as well, there is not one member of our mod squad that isn't truly brilliant. And oh. <laughs> They're all kind of brilliant at different things. And so, and this is because of you, you are the one who has created the structure. I could never do this, but what I've noticed that you've done is when, for example, you need someone that really is all about boundaries, that one person knows that they're the one to deal with those kinds of difficult situations versus when you need someone who's all about love and joy and you know, I know you're going to send Melody's the one who's going to, you know, volunteer for that one. So it's really interesting how what you've done is you've looked at people's gifts and you've kind of given them a little crown for that gift, for that strength. And so they know that, oh, yeah, that's my that's mine. I'm going to go for that one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. I did a lot of um, training in management in my younger years. And I learned so much from it. I learned, first of all, I went into a shop store. I was given this team of people and I didn't handle it well, but I learned from all these experiences. And when people go, oh, I've done this wrong, I've done that wrong. And I say, yeah, but it's experience. It's how you learn how to adapt yourself and how to grow as a person is taking everything in life, the knockdowns and all, as something, as a learned experience. We're not born to know everything and we never will know everything and we will never be perfect. And perfect is boring. Let's just focus on what you can do, what you are good at. And I do like to give people a leg up and give them a thumbs up and say you're doing a great job because it's so important that you're heard and that you feel that someone appreciates you. I think appreciation is a massive part of getting on in life. Well, and especially for us ADHD people, right? Yeah. It's probably the biggest problem with most jobs. I feel like I can do anything as long as I'm appreciated. But the yeah. minute I feel like I'm not appreciated, I'm just like all the walls are down. I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I agree. hundred percent. And I think most ADHD people do think they can do everything because we're so adaptable. We're yeah. so resourceful. We've got so much energy mentally and physically that we can adapt and we watch how people do things and we think, well, if you did it that way, if you did it this way, and we don't look at one option, we look at multitudes of options. We look at everything. We're, we're like looking at an onion and every layer till we get to the middle before we decide how it's going to look and how we're going to cut it and how we're going to cook it. 
<laughs> and what seasonings we're going to use with it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we're very versatile people. I think, you know, people don't realize those skills that we have in us that neurotypical people don't have, you know, and I feel sorry for them. <laughs> so, how did you really learn those skills? Because, and maybe you can tell a little bit about some of the things that you've had to. I hate to use the term deal with some of the experiences that you've had in life. I mean, you could have gone one of two ways, right? You could have said, everything sucks. This world sucks. It's not fair. Or you could have totally gone the opposite way, which is what you did and become a survivor, take these experiences that were very difficult and turn them into something positive. Well, first of all, can you explain some of the things that you've, you know, you've, yeah. you've challenges you've had to meet? Okay. Well, you know, obviously, as in with my childhood, I learned from my mother how calm she stayed. And I felt that if I stayed calm and quiet, things would stay calmer around the house, whereas my brother always stood up and went against the grain and it didn't mm. stand him in good stead. So I learned very young to sort of stay calm, um, to be quiet and not chatty at home as much as I was out of you know, out of the home. I think I learned a lot of sort of the strength, the inner strength that my mother has. She's a very strong woman, quiet and calm. And that helped me to navigate a lot of things. And in my early years, I left home very, very young. I just wanted to get out and I went a bit wild. Um, you know, I had my wild time. And then I had my daughter, my eldest daughter, Trudy, who is a wonderful, wonderful human being. And she became sort of the focus in my life. And then when I had my son and lost him at three months, I could have fallen apart, but I didn't. I kind of just held myself together and thought, I've got a choice now. I can either die with him, you know, and, and my spirit can die alongside him, or I can live for my daughter. And it was her knowing that she needed me as a mother and my mother's strength and watching how strong she'd been. It helped me to pull myself together and go, yep, yeah, do you know what? I've, I've lost a son, but there, I've still got a daughter. I'm still alive. I'm, I'm a human being and I need to get on with this and give her the best life that I possibly can. So, um, yeah, that helped me to sort of move on. Yeah, and then I broke my back not long after Jack passed. I, in fact, I actually broke my wrist first. Uh, no, I broke my back, and this will make you laugh, everybody. I broke <laughs> my back, and I went for a job as a as a manager of a wine store. And wait, wait, never... wait, 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 <laughs> wait! You broke your back. Your back was broken, and then you went to go find a job. Yes, I was lying in bed. Oh, <laughs> when my son died, I split up with his father. Mm. Um, so I was on my own with a child, one gone, single parent. And I was lying in bed with a broken back. I had nurses coming around every day, giving me injections in my stomach. And I applied for a job as a wine manager in a wine store. <laughs> Catherine! <laughs> And um, yeah, everybody said, you know, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I can do this. And the first interview was on the phone and I was lying in the bed with a broken back on the phone having an interview. 
And then the second interview was in a store. And um, I knew nothing about wine at the time. I was like, you know, a cheap sort of drinker cider or (laughs) cheap fizzy wine. And um, a friend drove me lying on her back seat of her car all the way there. And when I got there, he said, the, the manager said, would you like to sit down for the interview? And I said, oh, hang on. And I went to the walls and started looking at the wall charts and say, oh, this is interesting, your sales targets. And I talked about all the wall charts and his sales figures. And, you know, I didn't actually sit down for the interview because I couldn't. I broke my coccyx as well. So I couldn't sit down. Oh. And then I left there. And then I had a third interview where by then I was healing quite nicely. And I got the job. (laughs) That is such an ADHD thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Creativity, right? (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I don't need to sit down. I've got to find a way of focusing on something. And the wall charts, all his, you know, planners were on the walls, etc. So, yeah, I got that job. And then within a couple of months of the training of it, I went nightclubbing, fell and broke my wrist. So I had this new job with a broken wrist. (laughs) But hey, you know, this is life and you face these things in life and it's how you deal with it. Do you say this is enough? It always happens to me. Or do you say it happens to everyone and it's experience? It's a learning curve. You learn how to adapt. And I was still a single mum at that point. So I did really well. Until I met my husband, obviously, who I'm with now. We've been together 23 years, which, uh, yes, is amazing, fantastic, you know. And we had two further children. Our first was a son, which was really good for me, you know. Lucas, who's now 22, and my youngest is 21. She has Down syndrome. She has ADHD. She's partially sighted. And at the moment, we're just having her screened for schizophrenia because she's hearing people all the time so I'm dealing with a lot and yet still I find time to walk my dog to paint furniture to decorate the house I've just started an extension a kitchen extension in my back garden and planning my own kitchen whilst having Mary home from college for the next two weeks so I like it to pile on I like to deal with lots it keeps me going, keeps me busy. A busy mind is a happy mind. <laughs> so I, I mean, I can just attest to the fact of what an amazing mother you are. I mean, I watch how you work with Mary and just, you know, the things you say about your other children. And I don't know, there's just something about about you. And you know what it is? I really think it is the calmness. And then on top of the calmness, the gratitude. You're just, you just always seem so grateful. Oh, I am. I've always been a half cup person. And for many years, I would go to the doctor saying, you know, I don't know how to deal with this, 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 and this. All ADHD symptoms, I kept being told, it's depression, take these tablets. No, Mm -hmm. thank you. I'm not depressed. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, there's something else going on in my brain and I can't work out what's going on. Oh, well, it's depression. Take these tablets. The amount of times that I've been told I'm depressed, I was put on courses for mindfulness, assertiveness. I had, you know, all these different things, counsellors. Nobody spotted the fact that I had ADHD. Um, 
you know, it was, and I'm not a depressed person. I'm probably the least depressed person I know. I always look at things in a grateful way and think, you know, I'm lucky. I've got two arms, two legs. I've got a brain that works. I'm one of the lucky ones. You know, there are so many people out there who are starving. They have no water. You know, they have extreme disabilities that that affect them or their cultures restrict them or, you know, there's so many people fighting their corner that are having to fight every day for just the basics in life. I'm so fortunate to have so much and this brain that works for me 24-7. Why shouldn't I be grateful? What have I got to be miserable about? Oh, well, I just love you. So <laughs> I just love yeah. So I know you love to talk about friendships, how to avoid some and maintain others. I'd love you to expand on that. And I guess my question is, has that gotten easier for you as far as choosing the right friendships since you've been diagnosed or since you kind of started to understand that, hey, what's going on with my brain is it's just a different brain. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was very lonely as a child. At school, I was very lonely. I would make friends easily, but I couldn't maintain the friendships. What would I say? I'd say flaw, but I don't like to say negative things. But my biggest flaw is I never remember birthdays. I never remember birthday cards. Me too. I forgot my, I forgot my husband's birthday. <laughs> um, a week later, he said something and I went, oh gosh, I've missed your birthday again. I've just missed his birthday so many times and I never send cards to people. And I just say to them, I'm sorry, it's not my thing. A lot of people are very sensitive and don't like that. They feel that I don't care enough about them. And it's not about caring. It's about saying my head is so full of stuff that the little things, they don't matter to me. So I forget them. And it's not that I don't care about people because I'm there when they need me. Yeah, as a child, I grew up very, very lonely. So I used horses and my dogs, you know, pet animals for a social life. And as a young adult, I was great with friendships that were based on, oh, we're going out to a club and dancing all night. That was great. But I could never maintain these group friendships, these long-term friendships that other people seem to be able to maintain. And as I started to discover about the ADHD, it kind of made me realize why. Um, sometimes it would be literally boredom. Someone would excite me. And once I knew everything, I would move on. Um, yeah. and, and that's that's awful, but we all do it. But now... I do it to people that actually are like me. You know, we're one minute we're talking all day, every day for about two months, and then suddenly we don't talk for six months. I don't see that now as a bad thing. I see it as that we're both focusing on other things that are interesting us. And it's not that they're boring or that you're not interested anymore, but you found out so much in that short space of time, then you're looking at the next big fix. But I do have some really good friends I've made in the squad, you know. And it's amazing how I still feel that I have the time for them. As soon as one of them connects with me, you know, I could talk to them for hours as I could with you. <laughs> it's well, just the way we are. Don't you think, though, a lot of it is because they understand you? They understand that it's not because you don't care about them or, you know, you're rude. It's that, you know, they have that, that same brain. And I, and I know that when it comes to friendship, I used to feel bad about the fact that my husband, for example, can literally stay in touch with people 
for decades, literally. He's, you know, friends from high school that he still, you know, regularly contacts, but he can do it in five minute shots. And I have tried. I cannot get on the phone and get off the phone in under an hour. And so I think that is why I struggle with this so much. You know, I I guess it should be easier if you can just send a text and I can do that. But I wonder if it's because they struggle with the same thing. And so they think nothing of the fact that you might pop in six months later and say, hey, and check in, right? Versus non-ADHD friends. No, they're like, you know, she ghosted me. They don't understand that we don't even have a concept of time a lot. Like, I don't even realize it's six months. I feel like I just talked to you. Yeah. Yeah. People will uh, send you a text, for instance, and you see it and you're busy doing something. You don't reply. And then hours later, you think, oh, yeah, I must ring them, you know, I must text them back. And then you get distracted by something else. You go off to do something else. And I must admit, I've been on meds now since last February. And ADHD medication? Maybe, yes. Yeah. I'm on Elvance, which is the same as Vivance there, yeah. is it? Uh-huh. Vivance. Um, and before then, I used to use essential oils to calm me down and to help me to focus, but nothing touches the sides like the medication, unfortunately. I, you mm-hmm. know, but I do give myself days off from it because I feel sometimes there's too much structure and I don't like that. I'm not used to that. I'm used to having the wild me flying around, the creative me, and I find I'm more creative without it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I do now reply to people. I've My emails are cleared almost. I, I have less than 500, which for me is amazing. <laughs> Sorry, my favorite word. <laughs> I also think with friendships, we are lifelong learners. We are always growing. And when I used to feel bad about, well, why am I not staying in touch with people I went to high school with? I mean, I do. Like I see them on Facebook. We might messenger each other, but we're not making a concerted effort to get together and to do things. And then I realized that, well, we are lifelong learners. We're always growing. And so those friendships, those relationships, they were fine, you know, when I was in high school, but we're not the same people anymore. And I I mean, when I'm really honest, I didn't have anything really in common with them then other than, you know, we went to the same high school. So why would I spend my time there rather than with people that I really feel community and commonality with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my really good friends who I actually do see regularly, we walk our dogs together and we've both got the same dog, a fox red Labrador, (laughs) high energy dogs that need a lovely walk. We walk through the forest and we have a lot of things in common. We've both got children with ADHD, um, you know, both got these sort of other disabilities. Well, ADHD isn't a disability, but, you know, they have disabilities alongside that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have so much in common. And it's so good to talk to someone you can relate to about every aspect of your life. And, you know, we, we really do help each other out because we both kind of rally for each other and push each other up, you know, and that's what you want. You want friends who will give you a leg up, not a leg down. So when it comes to friendships, my tip is if if you feel someone's always knocking you down or questioning how much you care about them or questioning if you're late or you're always too early or you need things done a certain way, that's not friendship. They need to understand how your mind works. And if they're not prepared to, then they're not friends, they're acquaintances. See them as and when you want friendships are real 
They're about picking each other up, holding each other up. You know, that's a friendship for me. Yeah. When you leave them, you actually feel better for having met them versus, I mean, I've had friends where I leave and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have met. Like, I don't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's bad. That's bad where you you come away. You know, I used to come away from group situations feeling bad. I have a, a couple of small groups I see now, but they're smaller groups. And I know that they've all got the best intention to me. And I think that helps as well. Um, but I tend to be, I have a lot of, well, I say a lot. I've got a handful of close friends and I can see them sometimes six months apart, sometimes every day for a week and it doesn't matter they're my friends my core friends who I know have got my back and I think that's really important with friendship yeah okay so you had mentioned you were married the first time and then you got married a second time tell me what was the difference because it sounds like the second time you got it right yeah well the first time I wasn't actually married I was just dating him and Mm. had two children out of wedlock and when I met my now husband, it was about friendship first. He pursued me. He It took him six months to get a date out of me. We were friends first. <laughs> I had a part-time job in the evenings alongside two other jobs I had full-time in a pub. And it was just, that was my social life because I was a single parent and I had my daughter, Trudy, who was, I think, around 11, 12, 13 when I met my husband. And it was my social life where I got paid to work and chat to people, you know, and get bought drinks at the same time. So it was a a night out I was paid for, which was great. And he chatted me up and I just became his friend for a long time. And I think that's the difference. It's getting to know someone because you know what we're like with ADHD. We jump in foot first, um, hearts on our sleeves you know, a man says, oh, you're beautiful. And we want to be married and have kids. You know? <laughs> it's just what we do. We we don't hang around. We don't waste time. We just want to get into it. And I think it was different with him. And I think the 23 years we've been together are the proof that that works, that you spend time getting to know them, really know them and say, can I live with this person? Do they understand me? Do they get me? Do they actually really love me? And and then it will work. And I I think, you know, that's the secret of success of my marriage. In the past, I just went all guns a-blazing, jumped in. This time I was careful. And I wasn't ready for a relationship, to be honest. I said, no, I'm done with men. You know, I've had the heartbreak. I've I've gone through it all. I'm going to stay on my own with my daughter. Plus, I had her feelings to protect as well. So uh, it made a difference. It made a big difference. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's for life. Marriage is for life. And that's why I probably didn't get married the first time around. You knew. And it sounds like your husband, he just really respects who you are. He allows you to be you without trying to tamp down those, oh, I don't know, more interesting ADHD parts. Absolutely. I mean, it goes against the grain, sadly, because the poor chap, he (laughs) loves an organized house. He loves everything neat and tidy. And he used to come home from work when the kiddies were little and I'd have every toy in the playroom out. I'd be sat on the floor covered in toys with the children and he'd be like, start picking all the toys up, putting them in the box. And I go, look, they'll all be out again tomorrow. Let's just close the curtains on the room and <laughs> sit in the lounge. And I can live with that. 
but he couldn't bear it. So, you know, as I've got older, I've learned to plan having rooms with doors and cupboards with big Mm. cupboards for storage and, you know, having things that can be hidden easily and quickly just to kind of give him a little bit of his way because he'd love it all to be tidy, but it's just never going to happen. Not while he's married to me. (laughs) (laughs) And you're more important, obviously, than that to him. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He's an absolute diamond. You know, I married a diamond. He, um, He really is my better half. And he would say the same about me. And I think you need that in life. You need someone you can trust who loves you for everything, warts and all. Oh, I love it. So what do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is, Catherine? I think it's understanding other people and giving them grace, not taking things personally. Because it's so easy, you know, we have all this chat in in the group about RSD. And I always think, pull yourself together. And I don't mean this at all in an ableism way. I think Mm -hmm. just say, hey, they're dealing with their own life. You know, I think I, I heard once that someone said, if a car goes racing past you, don't get angry and put your foot down and try to race them. Think why are they racing? Is the grandma in hospital? Is the wife having a baby? Yes. Have they got a sick child in the back? You have to think they're doing it because they have a reason. Don't take it personally. Don't take anything personally. Just live your life. Think about what's going on in your life and your children's life. And don't worry about what other people are doing, what they think. Just be yourself and surround yourself with people that accept you for who you are. I love that metaphor. And I guess what that is, is empathy, right? I never heard the, if a car, because you're right, when someone speeds past like that, especially if you feel like they're endangering people, the first thing is just, ugh, yeah. versus why are they behaving that way? No, I love it. I love it. Now I'm going to think that every single time someone races past me. Yeah, it stops you being angry. You know, when I was younger, I'd have been angry and wanted to fly up their back, you know, chase them. But it's just not worth it. You think, what are they going through? What's happening in their world? I love it. So what is your number one ADHD workaround? Do you have one? Oh, I don't know. I've got so many. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was the one. That was the one. Don't bite, you know. Don't don't get into the RSD. Say, you know, we're we're better than that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I have any particular one, really. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. And I think that one was such a great one. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Well, it forces you to pause, right? And that's what we struggle to do. We just right away jump versus the impulsivity, right? Versus pausing and then asking questions, being curious. Yeah. Oh, and that actually you have just sparked, uh, you know, yeah, you've sparked something. It's when I'm online shopping, put it in the basket, then close the computer down, walk away. And the next day, don't look at all your tabs. Think, what was I looking at last night? What did I want to buy? And I bet you can't remember. <laughs> I bet you can't. <laughs> and that one will save you a lot of money too. I think that's Absolutely. a great one. Yeah, just close it down and go, yep. Because, you know, the minute you open that computer, all those tabs will come up, all the things you're looking at. And will you ever really buy all those things? Never. Just put them in the basket and walk away. Yeah, no, that's a great one. So, Catherine, <laughs> are you working on something that you want to tell us about? 
<laughs> only my kitchen plans, my new kitchen. Um, <laughs> that's the most important thing of all at the moment. But I would like to go into design. You know, I'm, I keep thinking that I would like to do something with people, with other ADHD people on how to change your workspace, to give you more positivity, to give you more creativity and to get you more organised. You know, I, I haven't got the tools with web design and things, but it's something I'd like to look at in the future. This is something that I keep joining and rejoining your AOK because I know how fantastic it is and I know what route I want to take and it will be something to do with around your surroundings, something to do with how you feel about your surroundings because we all sort of hog ourselves in these spaces and then we can't work because our surroundings are not working for us. The sounds, the smells, the look of your workspace is so important. So it's something that I'm I'm going to look into. I completely agree. We are such creatures of specificity, meaning a neurotypical would be like, well, just go to work, just do it. And we're like, no, everything around us needs to be perfect. And there was one woman, and I, I can't remember what her name is, but, or I can't remember who it was, that was in um, one of our office hours um, in our new AOK uh, cohort. And she made the comment that she was struggling. And so what she did is she spent a whole day organizing, no, creating an office space for herself. <laughs> and she said, I walk in in the morning now and all I have is positive emotion because everything is in the right place. And so I can sit down and I can get right to work because my brain is not fighting with all of these. I am so like this. If everything is not perfect around me, if there's post-it notes all over the place and books open, I really struggle to get to work because I'm focused on all the garbage around me. Now, not everybody's like me, but I think a lot of us are like that. So that makes perfect sense to me, Catherine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so many people don't know where to start. You know, mm-hmm. they, I've looked at the Marie Kondo and I've looked at, you know, declutter sites, but they don't talk about the beauty. And I think we need to see beauty where we're sat, yeah. not just, you know, everything on my desk, microscopes and Vic inhalers and glasses, <laughs> cleaning cloths. I've got a plug sockets and pens, um, a Farrow and Ball paint chart and some of my vitamin pills, some keys, you know, you <laughs> name it. It's all on my desk and it doesn't need to be. It needs to be where it belongs. And yeah. decluttering is one thing, but beauty is another. We need that plant. We need that visual. We need a painted mural above our computers. We need the smelling, you know, smelling the essential oils. We need some low ambient lighting and some bright lights for where you need to read. You need some, you know, see already the temperature needs to be right. You have to look at the whole picture before you can sit down and work. And this is something that I'd like to concentrate on helping people with. Absolutely. Because it's really all about awareness, right? Pausing and sitting and thinking about what do we need? Most of the time we don't know. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So Catherine, where can people find you if they want to know more about you and connect with you? Well, I have a group on Facebook called Essentially Kathy with an IE. I also have uh, my private Facebook page, which when people join my group, often we become friends because I chat to them. 
it's an essential oil uh, group. I don't push selling on people. As you know, in your group, I abhor people that try to sell to people, but I'm happy to chat. She's brutal about that. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, this place is to sell. Okay. So let's make sure that we know. Okay. So what is the name? If people want to find you, the Facebook group is essentially Kathy. So C-A-T-H-I-E. Yes. Okay. And I will go find that and we'll post a link to that group on the show notes. Oh, lovely. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, people can chat to me about anything, not just about essential oils, but about health. Always happy to chat to people. Wonderful. Not to sell to people. You know? Catherine, thank <laughs> you so much for spending time with us here today. It's been such a privilege to get to know you. And I, I can't even tell you how appreciative I am that you just stepped up and volunteered to do this because I hope our members, I'm sure they don't have a clue how much work <laughs> this is. <laughs> Not a clue because I barely do. And so the fact that you've taken this on, I cannot even begin to tell you how how thankful I am and how grateful I am for you. Well, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's a challenge. Each day is a challenge for me and I love a challenge and I love the members. There's so many creative and uplifting members, you know, with brilliant minds and it's so interesting. So interesting. So thank you. It's an honor to be part of the group. Oh, you're so wonderful. Thank you again. Thank you, Tracy. Before I let you go, there is one more thing I should mention. We are always looking for kind, committed, fun moderators who are willing to donate their time to not only improving members' health, but also approving member posts in our ADHD for Smartass Women Facebook group. So if you could use more gratitude in your life and you want to get even better at finding all that is good and working in your life, I'm telling you there's no better way than by becoming a member of our Mod Squad. So if you're interested, send Catherine Reford Holden or me if you can't find her a DM in Facebook group. We would love to hear from you. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Catherine Reeford, was that right, Kathy? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Catherine Reeford Holden, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And your reviews, they really do help in that regard. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. Come join me over at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.